So today we'll be reading from Matthew 5, 13 through 16. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of God. Thank you, Hannah. Um, we've been walking through the Gospel of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. We've been focusing on Beatitude. Now we're moving from Beatitude now into the Sermon on the Mount. And, um, you know, this really interesting section where Jesus now looks at the church, having talked about what does it mean to be in the kingdom, the value. Jesus now looks at the crowd and says, this is who you are. Not this is who you ought to be, or this is who you need to be. Jesus says, you are the salt and the light and the city built on a hill. Right? It's now, right here, right now. Not what you could be, not in the future, but today. You know, I, we have two daughters. Our first daughter, Emma, just turned second grade. But when she started her first grade, she was going transitioning from English education to Korean school. We sent her to Korean public school Near, near our house. And every week there is this spelling test, right? Can you put it on the screen? This is an example of Emma's Korean spelling test, right? And you know, when she got there, all the kids in our area, they knew how to read. It was like, Emma was like, what's going on, right? She walks in there, she doesn't know how to read. And every week, for, a, for a, probably a couple months, she came home just discouraged. Like, oh, I'm so sad, I'm not smart. Lois and I are like freaking out, oh no, what's going to happen you know, to her future? She's not going to be confident about studying and all these things, right? And, and I'm like, don't worry about Korean, you speak English, you're fine, like arrogant American, right? <laughs> Lois is like, Lois is smarter, she's like, no, Emma, you're smart. You're my daughter, not Sangmin's son, but my, my Sangmin's daughter, but my daughter. I was like, what about, what about me? Anyway, my daughter, and you work hard, you learn English so, so quickly, you're going to be fine, right? This is who you are. And as Lois continued to affirm her, right, throughout the whole year, and there were five questions, she'll get like one right, two right, and we'll celebrate. And, and I'll take her out to pizza. She got three right. And, and, and towards the end of her, her year, she got she, like one, one quiz, she got all right. And if you look at the problems, I mean, it's so tricky. Like it's almost like teacher designed the, this spelling test to like, Every little, like, spacing, right? Number six, if you didn't space, like, you would get that wrong. And I'll be, I'll be like, so upset. Like, come on, like, give her a break, right? But towards the end of her time, I just saw how the way Lois encouraged her. Hey, this is who you are, right? This is who, maybe you don't feel this way, but this is who you are. And I just saw Emma flourish. In the same way, this is what Jesus is helping us to do, right? Jesus builds his mission upon identity. Salt, right? These imagery, salt that preserves light, that shines a city on a hill. These are wonderful, powerful images for not only the original audience, but to us. And we think about these images, 
And Jesus uses these important elements back in those days and even today to describe those who have come to receive him as their king. And right off, again, right off the bat, the notice the wording is not, you will become this. In the future, you ought to strive to become this. It is you are. It is, this is who you are right here, right now. Jesus builds his mission upon identity. And Jesus knows fully. He's, he's not naive. He is fully aware of the uphill climb that his disciples will have to make in order to be able to live this way. Last week, we talked about showing mercy, right? Towards the end of Beatitude, we, we talked about showing mercy, making peace, dealing with those that oppose us, that persecute us. We talked about this. And how challenging it is to practice these things. We talked about relationships and how tough it is and why we lose sleep and why we struggle. And we also talked about how none of our relationship challenges, even though they're real, even though they are not easy, our relationship with our boss, our relationship with our coworkers, if you're in your marriage and you guys are struggling, parenting, all of these relationships, yet they are hard and difficult and painful, they're not what defines us. We talked about identity, how identity rests not on our performance, but on the performance of Jesus the King, who lived the life that we could not live, died the death for us and because of us. And on that, our identity is secure. And then that, the cross that Jesus took on, it loosens the link between our identity and our ideas. All right? We talked about all that last week. And really, in similar way, Jesus continues to affirm those that he calls. Right? He gives blessings before commands. Listen to Frederick, Frederick Bruner, a commentator that we've been following. A quote, and I quote, The Christian ethic is an ethic of becoming what you are. If you're like still need coffee, here, let's, let, let, me, let me read that again. The Christian ethic is an ethic of becoming what you are rather than like the Greek, the original context, the Confucius ethics of becoming what you should be. In Jesus' teaching, wholeness stands as God's gift at the very beginning, not at the end. You see, Jesus fully knew the fickleness of people's heart, the crowd and his disciples, how not in too distant future, how many of his disciples not only run, but they would betray him leaving him alone to die. Yet notice, that doesn't change anything about how Jesus sees his disciples in this moment. How he sees, his, he, how he sees the crowd and how he sees you and I. He isn't naive about the fickleness of our own hearts. He's not naive about how divided our hearts can be. Yet again, that does not change because the blessing comes at the beginning, not at the end. It's becoming who we are already rather than who we should become. Also note the communal, the plural address in our text. You are is not you individually are, but it's actually plural, in plural form. You all together, y'all or you folks are. 
And Jesus not simply speaks to individuals here in the, in, in the crowd, but he, how people together represent the kingdom of God. That's what we did membership. That's what we commit to a local body. It is Christian communities that Jesus has in mind here about the way they live together, about the way they talk about each other, about the way they relate to even those who oppose them, persecute them, live in a way that is meant to catch the world's attention. Right? When you think about it, church is such a unique thing. A local body is such a unique thing because we come from all different walks of life, all different interests, just different places, and we come together weekly to be able to worship together as one body. That's a very unique thing. And if we do that well, if we do that in a way Jesus encouraged us to do, the world ought to be like, wow, what's going on at that church? What, what is church? Why are all these different people from different walks of life living life together? But truth is, in, in, in our city, in the city of Seoul, and maybe Korea, that hasn't happened. We have giant buildings. We have a pretty big thing ourselves, right? We're just talking about us. Nice programs and wonderful worship experience. Yet, if you ask a non-Christian in this city what they think about church, I mean, you'll be surprised what you hear. People are just, there's a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of, people are skeptical. They're mistrusting. Rightly so, right? But Jesus says, if you'll do, if you live together well, y'all are, you guys are, you folks are, right? You guys, this is your identity. Not if you live well, okay? Let me not confuse you. This is our identity as the church of Jesus, Verse 13, uh, now so that we've, we've kind of established the main ideas or, or the, the context. Now let's look at these images and what they signify. All right? We have three images and we'll walk through them each. Salt. You are the salt of the earth. Verse 13. Back in Jesus' days, right, the primary role of salt was not for enhancing taste. Right? That's what we use salt for. A lot of us, we use salt to make our food taste better. Some of us like a lot of salt. Christian loves salt. <laughs> a lot of people like salt a lot. But, but back in those days, most important usage for salt was to preserve meat from going bad. We know this, right? I mean, we've seen this. To preserve something from going bad. To preserve something from decaying. Which means, verse 13, when Jesus... When we get our first warning in all of the Sermon on the Mount, this is the first warning. We've been in the book of Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, for weeks and weeks, and this is Jesus' first warning. If salt loses its saltiness, that's the warning. It's no good. There's no use for it. We've got to throw it away. If salt is no longer salty, if salt loses its ability to keep things fresh, there is no use for salt. You know, back in Jesus' time, it was very important that salt was kept away from other substance because if it became impure or mixed with other types of substance, it, it, it would lose its ability to keep things fresh. It would lose ability to keep things from decaying, right? So it was very important that salt was kept separate from all other substance. 
So here, Jesus is calling his followers to be in the world, yet still be distinct, distinct, where we don't lose our identity. We're not supposed to be away from the world. Salt needs to be, salt cannot stand on its own. Salt needs to be with the the food and the meat, but salt cannot lose its distinct nature. So what Jesus is saying is we are to be his agent of change and redemption in the way salt preserves meat. That's what we ought to do as God sends us to our places of work, our homes, wherever we are. So so there's a calling, there's a clear calling for you and I as a church to fight corruption, to battle evil to stand against any types of injustice that we see around us. As Christians, we ought to battle injustice and fight for truth in our workplace, in our homes, in our context, wherever God plants us. But the truth is, it's hard. When you think about working in in a company, working as part of the team, or you own a business, and everybody cheats, or everybody does tax certain way, and... It's tempting to cut corners. This is just how things are done. It's tempting to just turn a blind eye. A a team member in your company does something illegal, does something evil. But it benefits you in some ways. It's easier to turn a blind eye, right? It's tough to be that that person that that calls them out. It's, it's, It's not easy. In fact, it's much easier, right? to just go with the flow, don't rock the boat. But Jesus' warning is very clear. When we lose our saltiness, our distinctiveness as his followers, what's happening is we are losing our identity. Any organization, right? We have people that lead companies, organizations. Any organizations or companies or school that loses their identity loses their effectiveness. Every CEO, every CEO knows that when you forget who you are, at the core of who you are, you lose your effectiveness. Have you ever been to a restaurant in Korea? Not, not a very popular restaurant, probably, but a restaurant that sells all types of food, Mexican, Indian, Chinese, Italian. They're not too many because they don't survive. But when you go, when we were living in Wangshimni, there was this Mexican place. They did all different types of American food. They like just combined America as, as a one globe, and they just did... You know, burritos was like, you know, those like cabbages and like they just put Korean bokkeumbap. And I was like, what, what am I eating? Right? Like they had different menu, but it was just like the way they layer the food. Right. That was just how it was. Right. Um, imagine a taco place. Anyone like taco? Imagine a taco place. But, you know, sales are down. Right. COVID. People aren't coming, right? So, and they see kids coming in, families coming in, and realize kids don't like tacos. My kids don't like tacos. They like hot dogs. Shake Shack hot dogs, very popular with my kids. They start making hot dogs because, you know what? They're desperate. They need to make, they need to be able to pay bills, right? But their vision and their mission was to make great tacos. This is what they know, right? This is what they're good at. The, the sign says Johnny's Taco or Joe's Taco, But again, sales are down. You're desperate. You start making hot dogs. Because they don't want, kids don't want tacos. And after a while, right, 
kids don't like, they get sick of hot dogs, they want pizza, and you're like, okay, we'll just make pizza, you start making pizza, and after a while, you see the point, you really don't know what you do as a taco place, you can make pizza, you can make burgers, but you're just, you've just lost your way, and after a while, you're not going to be able to survive, especially Seoul, like, it's so cutting edge here, the restaurants, the quality of your food, you're not going to survive, maybe Wang Shinni, but not anywhere else. And really what Jesus is saying is in the long, long run, when we lose our distinctiveness as Christians, as followers of Jesus, in the long run, we're going to lose our clarity and we're going to lose our identity. And Jesus says, be careful because when you do that, you become useless. Jesus doesn't mess with his words. He says, you become unusable. That's the text. Friends, disciples who bring Jesus into the world are the ones who most preserve, purify, convict societies. And that's been true of today and that's been true throughout the church history. People that have stood on God's word and said, this is who we are. This call that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 5 has never changed. The world is changing very quickly. Our perspectives may have shifted but the call remains the same. And how Jesus sees you and I has remained the same from the very beginning. And again, this also means salt does not exist for itself. right? You don't go somewhere and you're like, I'm going to have some salt. You, you use salt for something else. It does not stand on its own. Christians, in the same way, Christians do not exist for ourselves. Salt's main mission is to penetrate food, right? Which means our main mission, the church's main mission, is to engage our culture in the same way, right? right? So one commentator, he says, salt a centimeter away from food is useless. As Christians not living for people outside themselves are useless. This is important because we are so easily distracted, we think about what is a good church. Some of you guys are church shopping, and some of you guys have come to this country and said, I'm going to look for a church. What, what is a good church in your, in, in, your, in your mind? Like When you talk about good church, what do you mention? Having a great building? Having a great worship team? Good teaching? Nice images? Coffee? Parking? Not too uncomfortable. Don't tell people to get around and say hi. The two-minute fellowship. Like What, what is good church. What does it mean that you find a good local body? You see, church could have all of those amazing things, nice parking space, great kids program, great space. You know, we have a lot of those things. We could have all those things, yet we can totally miss the mark. What Jesus is saying is you can totally miss the mark if we're only thinking about people in this building, if we're only thinking about each other, then we may be totally missing the mark. Another thing we ought to note is the call isn't to become salty. That's important. Jesus is not saying, you're not salty enough, you should become saltier. No, the call is not to lose our saltiness. Saltiness exists already when we are in Jesus. You see, our saltiness comes from being connected to Jesus. 
Saltiness, saltiness is not having great mission strategy. You know, we can do that and we need that. It is not simply having grand ideas of how to impact our city because Jesus says, you're the city on a hill. You should go. You're the light. You're the salt. We got to go. We got to have these strategy and ideas how to impact the world. It's not simply that. When you really boil down to the core of what it means to be salty, it is simple yet profound. It is Jesus' presence in our lives and in our community. Again, being salty. Our source of saltiness comes from being connected to Jesus, having Him in our lives, and having Him present in our community. Again, it's wonderful to have great music, good teaching, and all the things that we want in a church. But if we really want to make impact, if we really want to remain salt and light of the world, the calling falls not just on the leaders, not just on elders and pastors, not just me inspiring you, but it's really each of you as you enter this building, as you engage, as you go to your community groups, praying, God, would you show up in our meeting? God, would you show up in, this, in, in our singing? God, would you speak to us in our preaching? Like, that's the prayer and and really, the responsibility doesn't just fall on us. It falls on each of us coming, expecting Jesus to be present in this place. Amen? The second imagery, verse 14. You are the light of the world. Everyone say light. You know, biblically, every time light and darkness comes, almost every time it is referring to good and evil. That's from Genesis to Revelation, light and darkness, good and evil. But to, that, to add to that, John 8, in John's gospel, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says something shocking. And he says, he refers to himself as the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world, John 8. And whoever follows me will never walk, walk in darkness. So when he calls you and I the light of the world... What is he calling us to do? He's not calling us to illuminate our own sense of light with wisdom and charisma and, and, and strategy and ideas. It is, his call is just as the moon has no light of its own. Do you guys know that? I didn't know that until I, I, I slept through science class. But moon does not have light of its own. Like someone's judging me, totally judging me. Like, how can you not know that? My, I totally lost respect for you. I didn't know that. Just as moon has no light of its own, it's mere reflection of the sun. We as followers of Jesus, stop judging me, okay? Followers of Jesus, right? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, followers of Jesus, we, we ought to reflect the light of Christ. Not, all, not our own charisma, not our own wisdom, not what we can muster up, but it's really simply reflecting Jesus. Again, it comes back to being planted in Jesus, being committed to Him. And just as salt preserves meat from decaying, same idea, right? Salt and light, same idea. We can be the light. The call is to be the light that can give people clarity, hope, and even truth. It is this wonderful call because Jesus doesn't simply expose our sins to crush us. Instead, he welcomes us to turn from our darkness 
and come into the light. So every time we shine Jesus' light, when we shine our light, it could be very crushing to people. But when we shine Jesus' light, what we're doing is we're inviting them to turn from their ways and unto the light. Salt, light. The third image is the city on the hill. Verse 14b. You are the city sitting on a hill. That's Jesus' vision for every local body. Not a church against the culture or the city. You know, some of you guys visited churches and they're just like anti-culture. Like we're, all, we're the remnant, right? Not a church like that. Not a church that is so concerned about being relevant to the culture. It loses its distinctiveness. They play, you know, whatever music. They, they preach whatever. They don't preach Christ. It's just very much like the world, like a UN meeting. Not a church like that. Not a church that simply exists in the, in the city simply their, for their own people and, and their own congregation yet have no impact in the city. Not a church like that because most churches fall in these categories. The call that Jesus gives is that you are the city on a hill. The call is for us to be a church that seeks the shalom and the welfare of the city. Jeremiah 29. Not for the sake of city flourishing. We want city to flourish. We want the city to do well. But not for that sake, but for the glory of God. So that people will know the name of Jesus. But it is my confession, you know, post-COVID, just us being all over the place, people not being here every week. We know we spent a lot of energy in 2022 just trying to build our sense of community. And I think while doing that, we, we haven't done of, of a good job of reaching out of our community. So I, I'm really hoping that this is the start of something. So next week, as you've heard, it was announced, we're going to have ministry fair. And one of the booths that we're going to have is for the city, for missions. And we want some of you guys to volunteer, not just for our church, but really for the city. We have programs that reach out to North Korean uh, refugees that are living in the city, North Korean women who are battered, who are, there's a safe home in Incheon that we've been connected to. There is a Nanumi ministry, homeless uh, food, food shelter that we can volunteer uh, there's also Young Life, and, and they reach out to single moms in the city and the college students. A lot of opportunities for us to be able to do. We just, we really got to get going, guys. And this is the one area I'm hoping in 2023, as we're building community, which is important, we start looking out, like missions trip and things like that. I think many of us, you know, we, we struggle. We've, we've been here, guys. We've been in Chamship for almost two years now. This July, two years do you think we have much impact in Jamshi? If we, if we disappear, do you think people will be disappointed? No, I don't, I'm not sure. I think we have to challenge ourselves. Are we really the city on a hill? But here's the most encouraging truth. And, 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 and we keep, we, it won't crush us because we can be honest about who we are because Jesus gives us the hope. Verse 15 Jesus says, hey, as long as you remain salty, as long as you remain bright, as long as you continue to realize you are a city built on a hill, in verse 15 he says, no one lights a lamp and put it under a bowl. I'm not going to put you guys under a bowl. 
Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. So what Jesus is saying is if we open ourselves to the possibility of being used by God as salt and light in the city, God will do the heavy lifting. God will continue to lead us, guide us to be faithful as his salt, light, and the city. He will continue to open doors and opportunities for us to preserve and give sight and be used by him. Amen? That's our hope in 2023 that we would move in that direction. Easter picnic, it's not going to be just for our congregation. We're going to invite people outside of our congregation to come and celebrate Easter. Right? We, guys, I want, to, I want to encourage you. Invite your non-Christian friends to church. That's not a bad thing. That's actually a great thing. right? Don't be shy about inviting people. Somebody just need, You just need to ask. Right? Ask your coworker who's struggling. Hey, you want to come, come and, and, and meet some friends? You want to come to church? What? They might say, yeah, I would love to go to church. Right? We're assuming when you invite them, they're going to be like, no, no. Right? We, let's become a church that is looking at the city and saying, okay, how can we simply not just exist but love the city? Because that's what Jesus demands from us. I didn't prepare this like topical thing like I'm going to talk about this. No, this is the text. We've been in Matthew 5. Well, this is what Jesus is inviting us to. In verse 16, the final verse, and I'm done. Therefore, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Friends, the purpose of your life, my life, the reason why you are in Korea, why you are in Seoul, and why you can never go back home, whatever reason, the reason why you are here, you may think there are different reasons, but your main purpose is this, to hallow God's name, to glorify God's name. Amen? Do I have to say amen? Can you guys just naturally say amen? Like, there's a moment, guys. You know, there's a flow. I have to, like, get it out of you guys. Like, beg you guys every time. Amen? amen? Good. Again, this is not who we ought to be. Or this is not who we can become if we just try hard enough. This is not, this is not talking about the future. This is who we are right here, right now. Right? This is, turn to each other. I know it's uncomfortable. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just tell them, this is who you are. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You are city built on the hill. Come on, Charles. Come on. Come on, Yuna. Turn to each other. Encourage one another. Let me conclude with this thought. The dual imagery of salt and light portrays two important aspects of our relationship with our culture. Right? Engagement, salt, and distinctiveness, light. They're not easy to balance. You know, remember like when you first became Christian, you had a bunch of friends that, friends that were partying, and you were trying to reach out to them, and you go out and you start partying with them. Like that's like 10 years of my first 10 years of my Christianity, like partying with my friends, like, oh, I'm still getting drunk, and I'm like, I love Jesus. you got to come to church, right? It never worked. Because that balance is really difficult, trying to be in the world, but be very distinct in the world. Yet this is our calling. We're, in, we're called to engage in a way that doesn't compromise the life that God has called each of us to live. This is what makes our life both exciting and challenging. You can be a Christian COO and not, you know, shove the Bible down people's throat, yet be, be someone who, who, who models Christ's leadership. 
You can be a Christian teacher in a secular setting without, you know, making kids memorize the Bible. Have them see the way you live your life, the way you carry out your conversation, the way you work out conflict with your coworkers and people. See, wow, this is different. It's not impossible. That's what the world tells us. It's not impossible. It is possible for us to be able to not change who we are, yet bring this refreshing sense of who Christ is wherever God sends us. There we go. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. But really, we can do that, one, by remaining in Jesus' presence, two, learning from Jesus, he was the wonderful model. Jesus came into a world as a foreigner, right? He wasn't part of this world. He created this world. We ruined it. He comes as a foreigner himself. He was in the world, but was clearly distinct from the world. He invited people. No one dared to invite. He sat with sinners and tax collectors and invited them to a meal and hung out with them. Yet at every opportunity, he remained true to who he was. When people encountered Jesus, they knew he was not like them. They were welcome, but they knew he was not like them. Great example is Zacchaeus. Luke 19. Jesus encounters this crooked government official named Zacchaeus who was sucking blood, who was basically taking from his own people, who cheated so many people that nobody wanted to be his friend. This guy Zacchaeus shows up in the story, right? And verse 7, Jesus invites himself to this guy's house for dinner, and people cannot believe what Jesus is doing. People are upset. Verse 7, Luke 19, people were upset that Jesus would entertain the thought of eating with such a terrible person. And we don't know what happened in verse 8. At the end of the meal, Jesus and Zacchaeus and, and people, in the presence of people, Zacchaeus gets up and he promises to give away half of his possessions. And he says, if I've cheated anyone, I'll pay them four times more than what I've cheated. And at the end, Jesus says, this is how sinners come home, where there's a salvation in this house. You see, Zacchaeus was deeply convicted about how he was living. At the same time, there was grace and mercy. He felt safe enough to stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to live differently. So that's the model throughout Jesus' time. But Jesus is also the source. We are all like Zacchaeus on our own. Maybe not as Obvious, not externally, but we have our own brokenness and sin and our shortcomings. And Jesus gladly stepped into our world, world of brokenness, world of pain and chaos as one of us. And from day one, he was fully committed to the will of God the Father and he gladly gave away himself. He took on the greatest loss for us. And it was our sin, our shame, our disobedience that nailed him to that tree. And because the death didn't have the final say and could not have final say, and because he rose from death itself, friends, he confidently calls us, you are the salt, you are the light, you are the city built on a hill. So we can do it, amen? We can do it. Don't let enemy tell you you cannot. You can go to work tomorrow and be committed to Jesus and still love people. 
Not everybody might love you. Not everybody might like you. People might be annoyed of you. But, they, but if you stay committed to who you are in the long run, you will bring transformation. You will bring changes. And you'll surprise yourself. Let's pray. Lord, who are we that you are mindful of us, that you would see us as salt and light and the city built on a hill? Lord, it's our confession. Oftentimes, we want to hide. Oftentimes, we don't feel very salty. We don't feel very bright. Oftentimes, we struggle just to hold on to our faith. But Lord, would you continue to reveal your grace to us? Would you continue to allow the Holy Spirit that's in each of us to increase? We pray against fear. We pray against doubt. We pray against um, all the things we worry about when we think about loving others. Would you help us to keep it simple? Would you help us to Take, not take ourselves so seriously at work, in our homes, and, and, and really learn uh, to be humble before you. And Father, we pray for King's Cross, this local body. Lord, you know we got a lot of issues. You know this, ain't, this is not a perfect body, yet you've called us in this part of Korea, Seoul. Lord, give us wisdom. Help us not just talk and talk and talk about being a church in the city, but allow us, God, would you allow us to love this part of the city? Would you allow us to be committed to this part of the city and do everything we can to be able to bring Jesus to people that do not know you? We thank you. We love you. Just in we pray. Amen.